I started looking and I wanted two things. I wanted to continue to invest in cash flow and it was getting harder to do outside of or inside of Ontario. Are you a real estate investor looking to sharpen your skills or a newbie looking to become one? You're in the right place. Welcome to Where Should I Invest? Real Estate Investing in Canada with your host, Sarah Larby. Hey, welcome back. You're listening to Where Should I Invest? I have a very special episode today. My prior work boss, who is now a real estate investor, has been a huge mentor, an amazing leader. And I had the privilege of interviewing him on today's podcast. And it's just been, I will say, amazing just to see Dave be able to, to really take a concept from our conversations and go from a, a passive investor, and you'll hear his story, to actively investing in buying properties in Brantford to start. And, and he's got a handful of them outside of Brantford now, which is, which is incredible. But Dave is a, a true leader. I mean, I'll tell you, I had the best boss. I had the best team when I was working uh, at my old, old job. And, uh, you know, Dave was a huge part of it, was able to, you know, trust uh, in me that I needed to do what I needed to do at work. And I still had dreams and, and passions and, and goals uh, outside of work and was always super encouraging for me to be able to pursue that. And so I had him on the podcast and, you know, you can hear his, his incredible journey and also how, you know, he decided to start investing and how that's changed his life. So I hope you guys enjoy it. And I will tell you, it is amazing to have a work boss that supports you, that trusts you, that gives you the tools that you need to be successful at work without the stress and, and be able to also focus your weekends and your evenings on your passion. And my passion was, you know, being able to leave the nine to five within a certain time frame. And so I, Dave, thank you for your support. You have been an amazing, a true leader, a great friend, a great mentor, and thank you very, very much. And I'm so excited for everybody today to meet you and hear more about your story. Dave, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm doing really great, Sarah. How are you? Good. I'm excited to have you on. You've been a leader for me, a mentor for me. You know, really, if I if I look back and and I say, you know, who's the best you know leader I've I've had? It uh, you know definitely hands down. It's it's been you. How did you you know originally get started in real estate? Maybe we'll we'll start there and then uh, and then go from there. <laughs> sure, sure. It's a funny story, Sarah, because. Um, when we worked together, I used to, I remember we worked at Mars together and I used to come into the boardroom complaining on a Monday morning, complaining about my investments. Do you remember that? You and I had a good relationship and I would complain to you every once in a while about, oh, you know, my returns aren't that great. You know, a friend just lowered his return. I was investing in, in Florida specifically. I remember a conversation mm -hmm. we had a few times and you kept saying, Dave, just try buying a house. Just try it, you know, try it. It's like, you know, just try. And I just, I finally decided to try. And it was, um, so I had, I have to thank you because you really kind of dragged me into it because of your enthusiasm at the time for real estate. And um, 
you know, I tried it, I loved it, and I just kept going. That's awesome. So, I, I mean, just to give, you know, everybody a little bit of background. So you used to invest more passively. So you'd have the cash and then you'd make, you know, nine, 10, 11% or, or whatnot. But I do remember having that conversation about, I'm like, oh, you're making 10%. Like, look at these returns on these properties. It's, you know, the cash flow, the mortgage pay down and the appreciation. And then when you put all those things together, you know, even just the appreciation, you know, average appreciation and mortgage pay down, you're probably at that 10% mark and then the cash flow on top of it. So, you know, I do remember during our, our lunch breaks, we'd talk about real estate or, you know, after, after work, but it was, it was always super fun. And then, and then you went in and you bought your first one. So maybe walk us through a little bit how that first deal went. Okay. First one was in, was in Brantford and my first three were in Brantford and, um, you know, I couldn't find the exact house that I was looking for, but I really wanted in. And um, I, uh, it was probably about four, between four and five years ago now. And I, um, it was a two bedroom house that I still own today. And I remember, you know, my wife, Anita was, she thought she always had this standard for what would we live in. And maybe that was the hardest part about buying our first house was that we had to shake that standard, right? We had to say, this is a, an asset and not where we're going to raise our family. Right. And so it it only had two bedrooms, um, but it had a finished basement and it had a garage. It was one of the only houses on, on the street with a garage. We bought it for $232,000 and we weren't sure how it was going to go at the time. That felt like a lot of money. Um, now to be able to, if I could, if I could offer anyone out there to buy a house in Brantford for 232,000 with a finished basement and a detached garage, I wonder what they would say, right? They'd be like, heck yeah. So yeah, for sure. uh, And and you know, know, one of the the funny things is that you're like, Sarah, you got, you got in early, you know, you got in. Cause I mean, when I was first buying, they were, you know, under 200 and then you were like at the two and a half mark. And I'm like, you know what, in five years from now, it won't matter. And you'll be, you know, starting at that point, like, I'm just looking, thinking of your, your Catherine house. That's probably worth five, five fifty in today's dollars. It is. Yeah. I just had it refinanced recently, um, you know, for $500,000 and, and the, the bank said, you, we know you get five fifty for this, but that's what the appraisal came back oh, okay. at, nice. you know? So yeah, it's, um, it's been really great, you know, and I remember that, I remember you telling me that Sarah, that, you know, we talked a little bit about, well, you know, at what, at what point is it too late, you Mm -hmm. know? And for me, I still follow the same rule of thumb today. What is my ROI in percentage from what I'm investing? So what am I putting in for closing costs and a down payment and repairs? And, you know, what will my percentage return be? And of course, you know, the golden rule, I think, or what I've learned from you, the first thing I learned from you was about cash flow, And, you know, obviously that makes sense. Um, you know, and now it's the big buzzword, right? But you and I talked about that five years ago about, mm-hmm. you know, how do you cash flow houses and how do you make sure that it's cash flowing and what do you include in your, in your, um, you know, in your formulas to make sure that you are making money so that you're not running out. And when I've talked to people over the years about why they got into the real estate in investment game and and the ones that got out that don't have a great story they weren't cash flowing 
mm-hmm. almost every time, or they weren't following a process to screen tenants. Yeah, that's the other you know? big one. <laughs> the other big one in Ontario. Yeah, it's the other big one. You know, I mean, yeah, and so so that first buy just led to another and another. I think first year, I think we bought th- three houses in Brantford in twelve months. Nice, nice, and. Yeah. And we just decided to go. Right. And I think, you know, from knowing me, Sarah, I, that's, I, I prefer to go and make a mistake. I'm like that with everyone. Um, and I, I decided early that I could live with the consequences that I wasn't going to lose everything from buying a house. I might lose a button if I made a mistake and I've lost a couple buttons over the years, you know, to be honest, but, um, but it's been a fantastic experience and it's where my passion lies. So yeah that that's awesome I, I remember actually one one time you and you were going and you were like buying and you're closing you wanted to close on two at the same time and I think it was like when you were either it was your first one or your second one and I'm like it does take some work to close on something and then just like yeah. getting everything set up and putting the tenants in I'm like but but it's it's great to see you know what you've done in a very short amount of time but also I think you actually still bought at a good time and and because you bought on cash flow and I think this that's a great thing that you mentioned you know, you're going to be able to take a lot more of the ups and downs and the market cycles and, you know, versus people that are looking for just appreciation, right? They're just buying really high and hoping that it keeps going up. Well, I mean, especially now, we don't know what's going to happen in the next year or two and and what the government's going to do. And to be honest, I don't really trust them. So, you know, at any point in time, they might want to start putting some sticks in the wheels to, to slow things down. And if you're cash flowing, at least you're able to hold on to those properties have your tenants that you've screened well, keep paying the rent and, you know, slowly get out, get out of that down cycle. Yeah, absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. And I also, I also feel like, you know, it's even now it's not a, it's not a bad, it's never a bad time to buy. It might be a bad thing to, to count on appreciation, mm-hmm. you know, but, but there are still deals out there and it's hard. It's just so hard to find them. Right. That's, that's the challenge. But, you know, if you are cash flowing, then you can, I don't think, um, I've played through different scenarios as I'm sure all the investors have out there, but I don't see rents going down mm-hmm. in any scenario. That's, right. I mean, just with what's happening, things can happen to control rents, but I don't see them going down. That would, that would mean an oversupply in the market. And that's just not going to happen. Um, yeah, I, I agree with you because especially with the, what is it, under 1% is our vacancy rates right now for most of Ontario. Yeah. Yeah. It really, it's, you know, it's going to make, it's, there's going to have to be some crazy things happen for the rents to, to not be where they are. So if you're cash flowing with today's rents, it's a little bit of protection there for you, right? Even if you don't get the appreciation, which I, I've never counted on, to be honest. So, Mm -hmm. um, and by the way, just going back to that, how I used to invest passively and my investment went from uh, 10% to 9 or 8% and then down to 7 And um, I, I don't have a house that I don't get at least, I think my lowest one is, is 13 or 14% return without appreciation. So right. just counting my mortgage pay down in cash, um, you know, and sometimes I've had to do things to to change that, you know, created, I've created a duplex in, in Halifax to, to get that cash flow, you know, some of your, some of your other lessons. Um, but yeah, as long as you're cash flowing, you're, you're not at big risk. And now we're going to take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors. 
Hey everyone, I just wanted to pause and share with you a financing tip that helped me scale my portfolio and can also help you as well. By working with Streetwise Mortgages, I took a strategic goals-based versus a transactional approach to financing and they've helped me develop a financing roadmap that aligned with my goals and gave me some crystal clear clarity on where the money will come from to grow, how to maximize my borrowing power, how to structure future deals and avoid some costly mistakes, saving me thousands along the way. The financing roadmap is complimentary for every client who works with Streetwise and also very recently, they've offered an additional summary report of the best to invest 18 Ontario markets and also a comprehensive deep dive research into a market of your choice out of those 18. I highly recommend that you take them up on that offer. If you're looking to grow your portfolio, to book a planning session and develop your financing roadmap, email info at streetwisemortgages.com. That is info at streetwisemortgages.com. Thanks for listening. And now back to the show. And now back to the show. Yeah, I, I like that you said that. So 13%, just the cash flow and the mortgage pay down. I mean, obviously we know what happened to appreciation in the last couple of years. I mean, I, I wanna say in most markets, especially, you know, yeah. like Brantford as an example, that's been, you know, 30% plus since yeah. the pandemic started. But again, like you said, we don't wanna, you know, it's icing on the cake. We don't wanna be banking on that. But that 13%, I think could also become infinity once you refinance your money out. So I think a lot of the ones that you originally did in the beginning, because they made sense to do that way, we'll get into your, your Halifax duplex in a second, but a lot of the ones that you did originally, we didn't, and, and same with me, we didn't have to do a whole lot of renos. Like we didn't have to convert to get the cash flow. We were able to just do, you know, fairly cosmetic stuff in, in the very beginning and they still worked. But as soon as you refinance, like you mentioned, Catherine, you bought for, you know, 230 something, refinance for 500, your money's back out. At that point, your cash flow is infinity because you have none of your own money left in that deal. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's, and, and, you know, the, some of the, I, you talked about refinancing when I bought my first one. You said in a few years, you're going to refinance these and the financial picture is going to look completely different. And it mm -hmm. sure does. It sure does. It's just, um, you know, so hard to say what will happen in the future, but it's, we're not, we're not slowing down immigration and we need, we can't build houses. We're not building that many new doors, a, you know, a year as we bring in new people. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, there's, it's still, it's still a viable market. You just have to be a little bit more careful about what could happen with inflation and all of those things. Yeah, inflation and then increase in, in rates. I think at some point they're going to start moving rates yeah. up to slow things down. Um, but yeah. just going back to the immigration, I think the number is 1.2 million uh, that they're going to have come into the country, you know, once things things reopen or whatnot. But, uh, you know, with, with the current government, I mean, even, even before and they were they were you know bringing a lot of people in i think now you know year over year their projection is in the 400,000 plus each year in terms of, of immigration numbers so like you said i don't know where everyone's going to go you know ontario has rent control obviously we can't increase the rents but you know at this point unless the ndp gets into government because i know they wanted to change this but at this point we're able to when a tenant leaves reset the rents back to market and when i look at some of the ones dave like even the ones i I had in the beginning, if I still have tenants in there, because one of the things I, I like to do is ensure that tenants aren't there forever. So I pick some that have goals to buy their own houses. But there's a couple, you know, that I've had since 2014, 2015, they could go tomorrow, I would get $1,000 more of cash flow just by, by being able to raise market rents there. So this leads me to your question just about, you know, 
because you know you're out east. You bought a few, you know, in, in Nova Scotia, in Halifax. Eight, you know, why did you decide to go out that way? Um, and what are some of the benefits? Yeah, so I was after two things. Um, you know, the, the first place I wanted to buy was a condo downtown Toronto. Sarah, Sarah, you talked me out of that. <laughs> I ended up buying the condo. I think it was the fifth place that I bought or something. Um, and it's the only place I have that doesn't cash flow. My kid lives there. So that I guess that's a, you know, it's yeah. a good rationale for me to tell myself. But I, I decided to move to Halifax. I started looking and I, I wanted two things. I wanted to continue to invest in cash flow. And it was getting harder to do outside of or inside of Ontario, close to home, right? I always thought I'd love to be within an hour drive to any of my properties. And that um, that was just getting hard to find something, partly because the competition and the multiple offers were crazy um, here. So um, I, I decided to look in Halifax. My real estate agent, who's fantastic in Southwestern Ontario, um, uh, one of the guys uh, that I use in Cambridge, he... Um, had a friend who moved out to Halifax and started doing real estate and started developing. And so I ended up buying a house on a lake. That, so the first reason was cash flow. The second reason was I was thinking I'd love to have water in my life. And mm -hmm. so I bought a place, I bought a lake house. It was in bad shape. I bought it for 344000 I put $80,000 into it. That was in March. I bought it for three forty-four, dollars maybe April. Um, put 80 grand in and I got it reappraised for $550,000 and took all my money out of it. Nice. A little, little bit more than 550 actually. But so I duplexed that house. And so that, that was something that I ended up doing, but the deals in Halifax or in Nova Scotia, that is 20 minutes outside of Halifax, that house, they're, they're disappearing too. It's getting hard. Everything's mm -hmm. multiple offer. Everything is holding offers. Um, you know, and I think that Ontario investors are one of the reasons, one of the main reasons why uh, the Nova Scotia properties are going up. Yeah. I've held my search to either multi-unit um, facilities, you know, like multifamily homes or, or to waterfront. So I haven't gone after, you know, what made me successful in the beginning, the single family detached, which I still love. It's still my choice, but I, I just wanted to start buying waterfront properties. So I have two of them, one on the lake and one on the ocean. I, I still put in offers every week. Um, I lost a sixplex this week, you know, because I couldn't get the deal that I wanted. Um, can I, so can you, I ask where the sixplex was? Was this out in Eastern Canada as well? It was, yeah, okay. it was, uh, yeah, uh, again, about 45 minutes outside, outside of Halifax and close to the ocean in a, in a very desirable area. So it's Mahone Bay area. Nice. You know, mm -hmm. I, I was just reading something recently that, you know, the market is the way that it is. Apparently 25% of the buyers have been investors and, uh, and it's increasing, which I can believe. I mean, you know, it's, it's become uh, a way for investors to really create their wealth. But um, I, I, just like you, I see a lot of people going out Eastern Canada wise, not because, you know, the, I, I think, I think two things. I think it's the, it's the cash flow that's a little bit better. I think the price of acquisition is a little bit lower. And I think also for the landlord tenant rules, it's a little bit more 
um, balanced or, you know, helpful to the landlords out there. So you're, you're not subject to the rent control or it doesn't take you 12 months to, to remove a tenant with the, you know, board that we have in Ontario. So I think there's a, a few benefits for sure. And like you said, I think the the prices and the inventory, the inventory is decreasing, the prices are increasing, and I think it's happening really everywhere. What are your what are your thoughts? I mean, you know, what are you doing to potentially, you know, move forward or prepare for who knows what's gonna happen? Yeah, that's a great question. Um I've I've done some different I've done some different things. I I I just always judge one deal on its own merit. And so digging in deep and saying, you know, what is the financial picture of this deal uh, is important. Um, I'm still looking because if I could, I, I've mixed my mortgages um, between a balance of, of five-year fixed or longer-term fixed and open mortgages to give me some flexibility um, for refinancing or even selling. Um, in the last year, I have sold two houses and I've bought so, um, you know, staying active and staying busy, um, I, I would imagine that that'll continue in the future. Um, but to answer your question, I'd like to I'd like to continue to buy while interest rates are low. So right now, I see this as an opportunity to buy and lock in at you know maybe two and a half percent, which is which is still pretty great money mm-hmm. to borrow. Um, so I see that, um, you know, continuing to keep, what is my, what is my ROI? What, you know, the stock market has also been great over the last year. Um, so what is my return on investment? Could I, am I getting the best bang for my buck with real estate? I'm asking myself those questions and my answer is still yes, by the way, I'm still looking because, um, I feel like there's a certainty and an element of control in real estate that you don't get. Mm-hmm. And I love just the basic feeling of driving by a place and saying, I own that place. Mm-hmm. And regardless of what happens, good or bad, I, that, that is my place. Um, you know, so I think that that's it. And also I think the other thing that I'm doing to prepare is just making sure I'm not over leveraged. So I have a little bit more of a cash position now, which could help me if deals come up. Um, but, you know, again, I owe all of this to real estate, Sarah. You know, it's not, it, I had a great corporate job working for a wonderful company in Mars. Um, and that's not, uh, you know, that was, that was great. But I think that we all learn to spend more when we make more as a way of living, mm-hmm. you know. And I always knew just from business that passive income was fantastic. I just always assumed that the real estate would not be so passive. I felt like it would be a lot of work and it's not a terrible amount of work. It really isn't, you know, you do have to be aware of what you have and what needs to be done. But um, yeah, I think I probably went astray a little bit on your question. No, there. no, that's good. I, you know yeah. what? I, I love, I love hearing the story. So, cause I, I say the same thing as well. Like it's not fully passive, but it's not as bad as people think there's ways to delegate I mean, I like to think that I'm a master delegator in the sense that if I can find somebody that can do it better, more efficiently, you know, I would rather take my time and and oversee the process, not be in the business so much. What are some of the things, you know, maybe share with us, like how hands-on it is or how hands-off it is. And if you've, you know, found different ways to, uh, to create as Mm -hmm. passively as possible that business. 
Yeah, I have hired my niece. So um, my wife used to do a lot of the bookkeeping. And um, as you know, she's not with us anymore, but I've hired my niece to um, be the property manager. And in Halifax, I have a, a separate property manager who's local. Um, of course, I, I count those costs into my return on investment. But, um, you know, I think that for me, it's, it's pretty hands off, you know, I'm, I still make decisions. I still like to meet new tenants when they move in. But um, yeah, it, it's, I've been able to hire somebody, I treat her well, pay her well. And it just makes a lot more sense for me. And now we're going to take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors. Hey guys, just want to take a quick moment and introduce you to a key member of my power team. Dylan Suter is my realtor who's been working very hard to find me amazing deals. And Dylan, I'm a big proponent in working with realtors that are investors. And Dylan is truly an investor. Welcome, Dylan. And thank you so much for being a sponsor. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I want to first thank you for having us as a sponsor. We're really grateful to be working with you and all of the support you've given us over the past couple of years. So thank you so much for that. And our focus as Elevation Realty is to focus our attention primarily on real estate investors that are looking to replace their active income with a passive income and go enjoy what they like most, such as time with the family or up at the cottage, whatever it may be. So what we do is we focus our attention on creating a plan specific for each client, whether that is something they want to have five properties in five years and be able to sit on them for 10 years and then sell them and retire on the, the equity. Or if they're looking to scale their portfolio and retire in the next 12 months, we can look at doing that as well through joint ventures or Airbnb short-term rentals. We can talk through buildings, buy, renovate, refinance, single family purchases, and the list goes on. That's awesome. Now, Dylan, if people wanted to reach out and get help from you, where can they go? They can check us out online at www.elevationrealty.ca, E-L-E-V-A-T-I-O-N, realty.ca, or they can email us at info at elevationrealty.ca, Give us a call or text at 905-592-4220 or check us out at The Right Club or other meetup groups that we're usually at as well. Amazing. Thank you so much, Dylan. It is awesome working with you as always. And now back to the show. And now back to the show. Absolutely. No, that's awesome. And I mean, I think often if you've got, if you've got a good, you know, team feed on the street, your plumber, your handyman, an HVAC person, you know, like all of that stuff, you're, you're likely just sending in, or she's likely just in this, in this case, sending messages and, uh, and just coordinating. And that's really all it is once you're done the renovation piece, if you're, if you're doing conversions and the renos, how has real estate changed your life? I know you, you, you mentioned, you know, obviously uh, you've been doing this for, you know, four or five years now, but A, when was it that you realized like this is a life changer and then B, you know, what exactly has, has changed for you? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. So I, you know, my, I think just basically my net worth is probably quadruples since I got into the, into real estate investing. Part of that is the benefit of COVID and the value it's had on, on real estate, right? With the drastic real estate jumps um, over the last two years, it, it's helped my financial picture. I've been able to refinance every property and pull my money out of every property. So, you know, that's been, and then reinvest that money. So that has just created so much freedom for me. I know, Sarah, you're a big proponent of freedom of time. Yeah. And I've, I've been able to realize that so much. Um, 
you know, I'm, I'm contemplating retirement right now from, from the corporate world. I, I just want to be passionate about what I do. I'd never want to be along for the ride. It's not my style. So, you know, it's just given, it's open doors in every avenue of life, really. You know, it's just created some freedom and independence. I can give my kids more time that I think they need right now. And, um, you know, I can choose to do what I want on a daily basis. And that's, and, and maybe that'll mean going back and leaving somebody else's business someday, or maybe it'll mean starting my own business and, you know, whether it's a consulting business or a coaching business or something in real estate, I don't know yet, but I'm, you know, it, it just creates so many more avenues for me to follow. And it's, it's wonderful. Awesome. That's, that's yeah. great. I mean, you know, and, and, like you, you, you've done it in five years and I, I think it's possible. I mean, I'm, you know, I think not for everybody, but there are some ways that you can do it. But I think one of the things that you've done, and I'm also a very big proponent of as well, is you own these properties yourself. Unless, unless you know, recently you've done some JVs, I don't no. know about, but, but no. I think that there is a benefit to that because it's all the cash flow, it's all the return on your investment. It is all of the control, but maybe just walk us through that because a lot of people will scale. They can go to a hundred plus doors very, very quickly, but they're joint mm-hmm. ventures. You know, what was the reasoning, you know, why you wanted to just do it on your own? Maybe walk us through that. Yes. Great. Um, yeah. I, I think that there is the control element and there's a, there's a piece of investing where if you're counting on somebody else, it just, it's difficult. It's more, it's just, it doesn't have to be difficult. It depends on the people and what you agree on a, beforehand but it's just not as clean and so I want I was able to do it on my own and so I chose to do it on my own only because I was capable I think that there it can work both ways though so you know again I think over leveraging yourself is not a good idea right you if you think that one house is gonna change your life in a year that's not how it works Mm -hmm. Um, but at the same time I would say if you haven't started investing yet then start and if you can't, if you, if you say, well, I don't have enough saved, I'd be over leveraging myself, then start with a partner so that you're not, then do the JV thing. I chose not to do the JV thing. I have gotten involved in a JV um, project where I'm not leading where the, it's a business project and it's an $8 million deal that I, you know, um, that I have a percentage share in. Um, But typically I don't, like to do those things. I like to own what I have um, just because of the control, Sarah. That, I think that's just the biggest reason is that it gives me more independence to make a decision. What if I want to sell and somebody else doesn't? I have sold two houses that, I don't know if you remember, I talked about losing a button. One of the buttons I lost was there was a cold February day where we saw a house in Woodstock and we had to make a decision. And it was six o'clock at night, so it was already dark. And we had to make a decision on whether we wanted to go after this house aggressively that already had a couple offers on it. Offers were being reviewed that night. I ended up buying a house with a, with a wood foundation. Do you remember that? I do. I do. I I remember having a conversation and you're like, Oh my God. But it was, it was other than the wood foundation. Like it, it looked like a beautiful house. Like it was was hard to tell. (laughs) Yeah. 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 And so we did it. It was the first time I did something without home inspection right? So you, you start feeling more comfortable, right? And you yeah. make a mistake. Um, I ended up selling that house. That was one of the houses I sold. Um, 
Anita used to bug me about that house and how we made a mistake, but we still, I sold it and made like 75 grand on it. I was so happy. <laughs> so, yeah. I remember um, when you sold that house and you told me, yeah. like it was, it was that one that was like probably keeping you up at night. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Yeah. And it was a great house and never had any complaints. It never leaked or anything, but I thought I'm just going to get rid of this one now. So, you know, the, the new buyers knew it was a wood foundation. I didn't hide it from them or anything like that. And we did really well on it. And, you know, but, but again, you can make a mistake. But my point with that is, what if that would have been a JV? Right. I would have had, I would have had less control, right? Like then you're having to negotiate with a partner, maybe not getting the best deal you can, depending on their mindset. They could be the greatest business partner in the world, but people disagree sometimes. So I chose to do it by myself for that reason. I've had other friends who have asked me for advice and, and, you know, maybe wanted me to do something with them. And I said, listen, just do it by yourself. And if you, if it doesn't work, I'll buy it from you. You know, like, you know, um, kind of like the, I don't know if you said those words to me, but you made me feel really comfortable about trying it, Sarah. And, you know, it's not the end of the world, you know, if you, but it can lead to something great. Mm -hmm. That's, that's the other side of the coin. It, it's not the end of the world if it's not perfect, but it can lead to something great. And for me, it, it's led to something great. Yeah. And I, and I think you've always looked at it as well from a, a business standpoint, from a numbers perspective, right? And I think yeah. that is also the big difference is I think that's where real estate can be very forgiving. I, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, we, 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 I think you said in the beginning, everyone's always going to need a place to live regardless. So even if the market crashes or if it keeps going up, people need a place to live. And regardless, people need a place to rent because not everybody is going to be able to have the down payment or the credit or want to even have their own place. So there's always going to be a need for renters. In a bad time, there's probably going to be a need for even more renters. And you know, if, if anything, I don't think the rent is going to go anywhere. But if you, if you look at the cash flow and you look at the numbers and you're objective about it, real estate can be forgiving, forgiving even if you make some mistakes along the way, you hold it for long enough, you let it cash flow. And down the road, you can sell something if you, do, if you don't want you know, that piece of property anymore. You talked about that one. Has there been any other learning opportunities or <laughs> challenges that you've had along the way? Yeah, the other one was, you know, um, my family home, <laughs> which was never meant to be a rental property. You know, I moved out of the family home uh, September 2020. I moved into a house here in Cambridge. I just didn't want a backyard anymore. And it was way too much house for where I was in my life. And um, it was the first time that I didn't meet the tenant before they moved in. Mm-hmm. And for me, I was too comfortable with it. And I wish, you know, Sarah, you, you know, my strengths from working with me for so mm-hmm. long. And um, one of my strengths is just assessing a situation and assessing people and getting to know them very quickly. And um, that I, I just didn't have a great tenant. I had a, te- a problem tenant and I ended up selling the house Um, partly because it was not, it didn't fit in the rental model. But the reason I sold it when I did was because I I was not doing well with, with the choice of tenant. Somebody else chose the tenant for me. And I consider that a mistake. I think maybe I was getting too comfortable with the process. You know, everything's going well. I've never had a bad tenant. This is easy. And I think what that teaches me is that, you know, there's a process for a reason. I know that you teach that process to people. You taught it to me. It's, you know, a lot of these things can be done pretty easily, but, but sometimes the process makes sense and you, you shouldn't take shortcuts. And I learned that too. So I did very well on that house. Um, 
but at the same time it you know it could have been even better yeah absolutely but and you know i think the longer that we all do real estate for things will come up like tenant issues will you know even even the sure. ones that go through the process at some point something can happen in their lives and they can you know divert and, and change and and create yeah. problems so I, I think you know the longer we're in this game regardless i mean this this case it was you know cutting the process short but I think people will fall through the cracks if nothing's 100%, no matter what process you have, uh, or something can happen in their lives and all of a sudden, uh, you know, things, they change or, or whatnot. But um, the longer we're in this game, the longer we're going to have potentially something come up with tenants. Um, you know, for, for me, I think it was early on before I even had the process. I'm like, I'm creating the process. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one of the things that, you know, I'm doing more of is, is midterm rentals and, and going through Airbnb and having, you know, more homeowners in transition between houses and they're there for, you know, 30 to hundred plus days. And, and they're actually like amazing. So I'm like, I'm turning all of these, you know, except yeah. for the Brantford ones. I feel like those are more long-term, but all my new stuff is, is becoming midterm, short term, where where the bylaws um, aren't there and, and there's no limitations. But you know that's the that's the fun part of real estate is is you can be creative, you can do different strategies. It sounds like you you know went from like the long term stuff to doing some conversions. Now you're looking into some multifamily. That's just awesome. What what do you think is next for you? It's a great question. I mean, I I won't say no to single family detached homes that cash flow. So if any of your listeners have them and don't want them, I doubt that, but I would be happy to take them as would a hundred other people. So yeah. um, I wouldn't say no to that, um, but I am excited to, to feel like I'm building something, right? I like that in business and I, I'm starting to feel that in real estate too. So, um, you know, right now I've got two houses, I've got my family home here, which is a mixed use residential commercial property in Cambridge. And I'm doing extensive renovations to that. And I have a tear down on the ocean um, in Nova Scotia and I'm going to build a house there. So that hopefully both of those will get done in the next 12 to 14 months. Um, But I'll keep my eye open for other opportunities where maybe there's a chance to feel like I'm creating. It still has to make sense financially, right? And so I guess that's where my financial background has um, some benefits. But yeah, I I think that it's just, it's become fun and, and I look forward to, you know, creating. Awesome. And there's, there is a satisfaction that I get. I should say, say this to the viewers too. I, I am, I am pro affordable housing at the same time. Everything has its place. And so there's an organization in Kitchener that I'd like to work with on affordable housing. So, um, you know, there's some of that too, and some, some ways that I'd like to be able to help people. So um, I think that that could be part of my future as well. All right. Very cool. Dave, I mean, we can keep talking and talking because you've got so much great insight, but the next part is our lightning round. So you are going to give us the first answer that comes to mind for the following five questions. Are you ready? I'm ready. This week's lightning round is brought to you by Complete Properties. If you need a great property manager to help you in the Niagara, Hamilton, and Burlington markets, reach out to Margaret Cameron at 905-920-7886. She can also be reached at Margaret at Complete pminc.com via email or the website completepropertiesinc.com. All right. So I don't know how, if you read a lot of, of real estate investing books per se, but if, if you do, do you have a favorite one? 
I honestly can tell you I don't have a favorite one. Okay. Yeah, is I wish that could be more helpful. Is there another I, a book maybe that you would recommend investors read? It could be about leadership. It could be about different things. Yeah, so I, I, um, <laughs> I, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not a book person. So I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to tell you what my favorite book would be. All right, awesome. Do you listen to podcasts? Question number two. And if you do, do you have a favorite podcast? Doesn't have to be real estate investing. Oh, I love, I love your favorite. I love your podcast, Sarah. So that's that's my favorite podcast. <laughs> All right, okay. I think that I think the next three will probably be a little easier. Okay, so question number three: What do you do for fun aside from real estate? Yeah, I think I look after my family, spend a lot of family time. Real estate is my fun. It really is, you know, so I have a corporate job as well, but real estate is my passion. So I love, I love to, to go on walks. I love nature. I love where nature and the city intersect, you know, and, and I spend a lot of family time with my kids. So awesome. Um, that, that's some of my passion. Yeah. All right. Number four, if you lost all of your assets all of your money tomorrow, all your real estate, how would you start again? Yeah, I'd probably go to work. I think that the, I think that there's a, there's a security that a job offers, but I would definitely have a side hustle from day one. So it would be a combination of forward thinking, which would be my side hustle. And it would probably be in real estate. And even if I lost it all, I would go back to real estate. and, uh, and then I would make sure that I was working at whatever job could, could put food on the table right now, right? Okay. Because sometimes a side hustle doesn't do that right away. That's true. It takes yeah. time. Yeah. All right. Last question. If somebody has $50,000 and they want to get started, how would you recommend they best spend that money? If they have $50,000, I, rec- I would recommend partnering with somebody and buying a house that they could probably convert to a duplex. Your, your BRRR strategy is great. You know, again, I think that the key with real estate is to say the first pro. so you buy a house and then for some unknown reason, something happens. You have a flood, a crack in a concrete or a roof that needs to be replaced, but you have a massive expenditure. It's, you know, seven to $10,000 and you've over leveraged yourself and now you're forced to get out before you should. Don't do that. That, that's my, you know, if you have 50 and that's what you have, then, you know, um, then partner with somebody because it's worth it. Just make sure that the expectations are clear beforehand and some of the scenarios, you know, what if we have a $10,000 repair, how will we handle it? Make sure you agree on that and put a shotgun clause in your agreement. Businesses do it on every agreement. There's a shotgun clause. So it allows one party to buy out the other and that, and make sure you discuss it openly, especially if it's with somebody, you know, so that you don't have any surprises and ruin relationships over a business deal. But $50,000 partner with somebody if you've got, you know, and, and again, I would say I did it with nothing. I did it with the equity in my house, right? It's not like I had 50,000 in savings. Mm-hmm. And the great thing about that is, and I won't go on too long, but everyone has got $50,000 in their house if they've been in their house for two years because of what real estate has done in the last two years. That's great. So yeah, you know, it's not, it's not impossible to start with the equity in your home. If you have a job where the mortgage, where the bank will give you another mortgage, then you can do it just with the equity in your house. So that's my yeah. thought on that. No, ab- absolutely. And like you said, especially in the last couple of years and 
you know, one of the things I, I will add to that as well is, you know, when I first started, I used to keep a pulse every year, you know, at least uh, on the market and, you know, where my properties were, what was selling nearby. And I would refinance them if there was enough equity just to have enough to get the next one. And you're, you're not going to do that forever, but as you're growing and you're acquiring, keep a pulse just because you're refinancing it once doesn't mean that in a year from now you can't refinance it again if there's an opportunity and it's still cash flows and all that good stuff. So awesome. Dave, where can my listeners reach out and find out more about you? I don't have a website, Sarah. I'm a, I think I've told you I'm a quiet investor. So um, they can reach out to me on LinkedIn. They can also reach out to me on my email, dpitchner at hotmail.com. I'm happy to talk to people, uh, but yeah, they reach out to me that way. Amazing. Perfect. Dave, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you, Sarah. Great talking to you. Hey guys, before you go, I wanted to ask you a question. What's stopping you from starting or growing your own real estate investment portfolio? I know for me, before I started, I had plenty of reasons and at the time they all seemed very valid, but as I started my journey, these reasons slowly fell away and eventually only one reason remained. What was actually stopping me was having a proven, actionable, repeatable system. I didn't have that. And the way that was going to change was by investing in myself, learning, listening, and looking for ways that worked. And also, most importantly, discovering what didn't and not making those mistakes again. Fast forward to today, I now have a proven, repeatable series of action steps that has enabled me to build my seven-figure portfolio consisting of multiple homes, and I'm able to manage that in two to three hours a month. Is that something that you would want? Well, I've actually taken all the knowledge I've accumulated and put that into a comprehensive step-by-step -step online program. It's called Rise, and it's a program that will help you from where you are now to where you want to be faster and with less of the headaches that I had. So it consists of all the templates and the resources that I use, plus over 40 instructional videos that you get lifetime access to for just a small one-time investment. And you know, my recommendation is to make the time now to invest in yourself and grow your portfolio to seven figures so that you can bring your retirement dreams closer. If you want some more information about Rise, just go to sarahlarby.com forward slash R-I-S-E to access more details and book your spot. Thanks so much for listening to Where Should I Invest with your host, Sarah Larby. Make sure to listen in next time. We'll catch you on the next episode of Where Should I Invest.